Thank you to our sponsor, Open Society Foundations, an organization that works to build vibrant and tolerant societies whose governments are accountable and open to the participation of all people. For every win that we'll have with Atlanta, right, or an insecure, mm -hmm. or a dear white people, um, unless you have the next story to tell after that, and where are those stories going to come from? Who's going to lift those stories up to make sure they get told and made? You're only going to have those shows, right? And so when I say that, it's it's such a closed knit where if you don't encourage mentorship and the next person to come behind you, it'll only just be those names. The hashtag Tell Black Stories podcast was created as an extension of Color of Change's Hollywood Culture Project, an initiative changing the rules in Hollywood, ensuring accurate, diverse, empathetic, and human portrayals of black people on television and throughout the media landscape. This is hashtag Tell Black Stories, live from the 2019 Sundance Film Festival, and I'm your host, Baratunde Thurston. My guest right now, Denise Davis. She's a producer with Easter Ray Productions and also COO of The Color Creative TV, a company that focuses exclusively on diverse, emerging writers and exceptional storytelling for film, television, and digital. Welcome to Hashtag Tell Black Stories. Ooh, thank you for having me. So good to have you here, Denise. Congratulations on your life. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it has been a very short life. but Well, you have lived it well from what I can see from the outside. And uh, I guess I want to start with what brings you to Sundance this year? What brings me to Sundance? Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm here uh, in support of Color of Change. Uh, they honored Color Creative at a party on Friday night at the Macro Lodge. So I had to make sure I was here for that. Yeah, it'd be awkward if you didn't show up. It'd be up. very awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm here for an official Sundance panel on Wednesday. So I'm here for, for a good chunk of change. What's the panel? Episodic storytelling and new narratives. So What's the answer? I don't know yet. <laughs> so you have a couple days to I figure have to come it out. up with some new narratives. <laughs> oh, by the time people hear this, they will, the answer will be out there. Okay, yes. that, that is fair. I want to start deeper with your work in the theme of mentorship and support. Okay. Because of what Color Creative is up to, because of what Ava DuVernay is doing with Array, because of what Lena and Macro are doing with this script project and onboarding new writers, developing this pipeline, how important is structured formal mentorship and support in getting new narratives and new stories into Hollywood? I mean, you have to look at the industry and know that at the end of the day, it's about relationships, right? And mentorship is kind of where that starts. But I like to say that the industry is cyclical. And where we are right now is in a very interesting time where we're telling more stories that matter and more stories that are underrepresented. But I personally think unless you turn around and lift and mentor the young up and coming filmmakers and other voices up while you still have that power, the industry will kind of shut you out, right? Because it's about who you know and it's about how do you get into the industry and create access. And are so you saying, suggesting that merely putting out quality work that is successful in the market and attracts a significant audience isn't enough? for this industry to continue no. to support us? No, no, because for every for every win that we'll have with Atlanta, right, or an insecure, mm -hmm. or a dear white people, um, unless you have the next story to tell after that, and where are those stories gonna come from, who's gonna lift those stories up to make sure they get told and made, you're only gonna have those shows, right? And so when I say that, it's, it's such a closed knit where if you don't encourage mentorship and the next person to come behind you, it'll only just be those names. And so in my opinion, the only way to continue to grow and foster and and create more access and get more people into, I'd say, the industry circle is to mentor, is to support and create more access. So that way it's not, you know, if I wanted to quote Issa, she's always like, I don't want to be the only one. I don't want to be the voice of all black women, right? And so how do you make sure that you aren't just the one 
person that they put you on a pedestal. It's to kind of create more opportunities for people so that way you aren't the only one. So you're spreading the wealth, but also maybe spreading some of the liability. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little, you know, the pressure is on us. Because right, <laughs> right. like you, you want to be successful while doing that as well. You just can't be putting your cousin on and your nephew on. And right. you know, it's like really about creating the voices that we feel like are powerful, are, are uh, changing the movement. Mm -hmm. And also quite honestly, uh, talking about something that you look at the landscape and say, what are those stories that predominantly haven't been told yet. And there's a lot of them, right? And we're not talking about just black stories, just everyone's stories. And, you know, the industry is always mitigated and de determined who gets their story told. Yeah. And so, you know, the more people can stand up and support other people who might not even look like them, I think is so important. This mentorship structure, this formal structure that y'all have set up, mm -hmm. was there a model for it? Yeah, it's evolved into a model. Okay. <laughs> it started with, you know, Issa reading a script from a young film uh, writer she met at a workshop we hosted in 2014, 2013 actually. And uh, she had gone through this development process with the pilot at ABC at a network and kind of realized that her voice kind of got lost in mm -hmm. that. And while finding the script from this writer who wanted to do it as a web series, Issa said, this should be a pilot. This should be a pilot. And Denise, can we produce this pilot? And how much would that cost? And, you know, it was a half hour comedy script and or we developed it as a half hour comedy. And I, I looked at it and said, well, 30 minutes is a short film, so let's do it as like a short film budget, right? And so that snowballed into, well, what if we can do three of them? And how do we find these writers? And so the impetus of Color Creative started by us funding and producing these three original pilots from these unknown writers that we found that we wanted to support. And that was the birth of yeah. what it was because we were like, well, what do we call it? We should call it Color Creative. Yeah, <laughs> and Issa yeah. came up with that name and it stuck. And so, you know, that was five years ago now. And it has snowballed and evolved into a formal structure where we've created different access and opportunities from partnerships with studios and networks and production companies. So, for example, our latest one is we partnered with BET last year and did a script to screen contest. Okay. And so we found a pilot script. BET is committed to shooting a pilot. And nice. we will be producing that this spring. And the writers in Memphis, she's like, tell me when to quit my job. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, you know, she's like, I, I was like, let me find you an agent first. You yeah. got to move to L.A. And so, you know, really creating opportunities for people who may not also be primarily in Los Angeles and right. in the industry, but want to break in. Right. So the way we see it is like, it's not enough to just develop. Yeah. It's not enough to just like, let's do a contest and win a script because then it doesn't actually- It doesn't become a real it thing. It doesn't become a real thing. Yes. And so you yes. have to kind of use the, you know, leverage to say, no, commit to making this because yeah. we believe that when you can put something on screen, you can actually see its power, right? Yeah. You can actually see how great it is. It's not enough to just read it on the page, so. I should have called y'all sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in these cycles myself, but that's another podcast. We'll come back to that. Um, what's been the impact of this mentorship and these- these writers who are not in LA or maybe New York, they're from Memphis. Mm -hmm. They're telling stories that haven't been told. They're putting other people you know, with speaking roles <laughs> that maybe hasn't been traditional. How have you felt that impact? What does that look like or feel like? You know, I've seen it just from the community. It's from talking to the writers. And, you know, recently, I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, we're in the process of revamping our website. We have an alumni nice. page where we're highlighting uh, a lot of the writers that we've discovered and worked with over the years. Are y'all going to have reunions? And, you know, we're, we, we show us we show a big mixer conference reunion. Yes, you know, yes. everyone loves a party. But <laughs> So we looked at that and we asked, you know, a bunch of writers, like 20 or so, to like send in what they're working on, you know, where they started. And it was so fascinating to see how many people are now staffed, have their projects developed somewhere else and being yeah. produced. They're repped by agencies, they're repped by management companies. They're now kind of starting their own career tracks. And, yeah. you know, they all circle it back to saying, working with you guys gave us leverage. They were able to go into a room and say, hey, I'm working on this project with Issa Rae and Denise for Color Creative. And that immediately gets interest, right? Before they even ask what the project is. But it validates how 
great they are creatively, yeah. right? It validates like, oh, there's someone to pay attention to. And it validates y'all a bit as well, <laughs> right? Like, do you send invoices for 10%? No, no, no. <laughs> but you know what? There's a business model there that we were like, I don't know, maybe maybe we should you know, evolve that into something down the line. Are you announcing your agency slash management no, company? No, no, right? no, okay. not, not at the moment. Okay, okay. <laughs> there's, there's a lot happening in this industry that is uh, traumatic. There are stories of essentially human rights abuses mm -hmm. that are coming out. And there are people making pledges mm -hmm. to have 50% women behind the camera, for mm -hmm. example. How do you rate the industry right now in terms of this progress toward inclusion, toward mm -hmm. more stories, and toward less harm? Well, it's such a catch-22. Okay. I, I will say that. It's one of those things that you want to stand up and say, we must demand this, right? But then you look at the way the industry has been structured for a long time, and you say, I want a woman of color to be my cinematographer. And they say, well, where are they? And we know who they are, but then they go, well, they've never done TV before. They've never done film before. And so I think it's going to take the more you can empower and say, well, we don't care, and we want that to, you know, we want this person, the more you can actually incrementally change and kind of stand up and make these pledges because, you know, my background's in physical production, and so I'm always like, guys, it kind of, we got to go to the unions. You know, mm. we got to be talking to the unions about the below-the-line positions and say, how do we foster a pipeline and access there so then that way the people we're looking for can be you know, officially sanctioned to be hired of yeah. some sort. You know, one of the best case examples is uh, hiring Melina Matsukas to do the pilot of Insecure. Melina had never done television before, but Issa said, this is who I want as a black woman, someone who completely understands what I'm trying to say creatively, this is who I want, and HBO said, okay. And it was, you know, a big risk for them, but yeah. obviously Melina's career has now blossomed and it was probably gonna do it anyways, but it's, it's about that. It's about kind of standing behind your values and, you know, who you feel like are the best people to help tell these stories. You brought up Insecure, so I want to I want to pick one point from the show. Okay. Um, not a criticism, but an observation about the role of Frida mm. in Issa's life, in mm -hmm. the character of Issa's life, as the ally that Issa needed mm -hmm. to show up a certain way. And how do you interact in the real world with the Fridas of the world, or with the non-people of color who have a potential to help tell our stories or to help us tell our own stories, but maybe aren't there yet? Mm. You know... You want to ask about my own experiences, like of, of, yes. of dealing with those? Yes. I, I have found a lot of Fridas. And, you know, I, I, the biggest thing that I've learned is it's not about who we have to sell our vision to, how, who we have to say this is important. It's about the people who come to us and say, we know this is important, so how can we support you? Mm. How can we help you change the narrative and continue to do what you're doing? And those conversations speak volumes because the way we see it is like, we shouldn't have to convince you that this is the way it should be, right? And I think if you have the awareness that you want to be a part of it, but you don't know how, I think that's so important. It's not about, I'm coming to you, I have an idea, and I want you to do it, because then you're not understanding where they're coming from mm -hmm. versus someone just saying, I want to help and how can I help? Yeah. And I think the freedoms of the world by approaching the, you know, the movement that we're having mm -hmm. and wanting to insert themselves just from a volunteering standpoint of like raising my hands, someone tell me what I can do. Yeah. I think that's easier and it's a better conversation to get to have and to help start a partnership of right. some sort because then, you know, you're, you're not so guarded as in someone coming to uh, your space and trying to like dictate what you should be doing. So you're not going to the white supremacist meetups and trying to get those people? <laughs> no, 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 no. They're the, the good people are, are coming <laughs> are just are coming out the woodworks over yeah. the years and you know, but it's it's so important because you realize that I think allies are important because to me I'm like you're not gonna do it on your own. Yeah. And it's important for the allies to just want to be involved, but to listen, right? And I think coming to the table in that way is, is just more powerful and get things done. There's a deeper principle that I remember from my own career 
which is you know how to get an agent, how to get a manager, uh -huh. and like do the work mm -hmm. and see who shows up. Yeah, and start with them, mm -hmm. right? Because they already see you for at least part of who you are. As opposed to trying to convince people, I'm worthy. I have value. Please pay attention to me. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's also especially with representatives. It's you know making sure that on one hand they're always looking about, well, can I make money off of you? Right. Can I sell it's you? You know, it's a yeah. business. But then on the other hand, you know, sometimes that doesn't matter because they just really love the individual so much. And people forget this industry is so personable. You know, and it's the yeah. reason why you don't want to be a supremacist or anyone who's <laughs> who's has bigotry reasons, or because we know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Not so openly. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it comes back to us. And, and it's important to just know where you, that you're a good person yeah. because the good people want to find other good people and they all want to do real change. You so. mentioned love. I want to talk about love in the context of a project that was announced but we haven't heard that much of. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Free, mm -hmm. former co-worker of mine at The Daily Show, is working with y'all on a project about a bisexual black man. Mm -hmm. It's called Him or Her. Mm -hmm. Can you give us any updates on where that project stands or what at a minimum, what else brought you to it? and, and what we Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say what brought us to it is, yes. <clears throat> excuse me, we were introduced to Trayvon through UCA, actually. And, you know, I think his story was so fascinating and compelling because it was a story that we felt like we've known so much about. Yeah. But to hear someone want to tell it from such a personal place and coming from that perspective and point of view, I think it's one thing if a straight black man said, hey, I want to do this show about a bisexual black man, then you kind of have to question are you bisexual? Like, do you mm -hmm. know what that means? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, him just being open to want to tell that story completely captivated us. But on the other hand, again, when we look at projects that we want to support and get behind, it's really looking at, well, what stories aren't being told, right? And his story specifically, we were like, no one's telling that. And why is there so much taboo around it in the black community, in addition to putting that on screen, right? And I think the LGBTQ community in general has a long way to go because we don't see that represented often on screen. And if you do, it's the one character and they don't have their own shows that kind of speak volumes to their values, their characteristics, yeah. and what they go through. And so that is, you know, ultimately why we got behind it and why we wanted to support it. So, In some ways, you've answered this last question, but I want to give you a chance to provide a different example or mm -hmm. a different point of view on it. You're in the business of storytelling. Yes. What is a story that you think the world needs mm. uh, in specific or in general, a, a type of story or an actual one where like, it would be great if that story were out there? You know, there's there's a, I'll, I'll be more frank, there's a particular project that we've been developing on the film side, and it's a script I found seven years ago now, back in grad school world. And, in the Obama era. Uh, yeah, and you know, I kind of hung on to it until uh, the time is right, and when we started actively moving into features, I brought it to East, and I was like, hey, I think we should look at this. And it was a story about, uh, it's written by a 48-year-old uh, Cuban female filmmaker who's been doing a lot of stuff on her own um, independently for years and years, and this is a very personal story of hers, but it's kind of like a, um, Little Miss Sunshine meets uh, Real Woman Have Curves. It's mm. set in Little Havana, Florida with a single Cuban mother and her three daughters and her grandmother and set in this community. And it really is about the family and the female, you know, Spanish uh, point of view. Yeah. And it was important for us because right off the heels of that, I read an article that said that there was no leading roles in that year, and this is probably 2016, for Latina or Latino characters. And I was like, but how is that possible? We right. had all these movies. Right. What do you mean there was no main characters in any of these films? And so that inspired us to say, we need to do this project. Not right. only is it a great, funny, heartwarming family story and coming of age, but also there's it's predominantly women speaking roles, mm. very little male roles in it, but it's also very rooted in this specific culture and very true to that culture that, you know, honestly, when I look at the Latinx kind of 
foundation and what they've been doing, it's like there's so many different stories there, right? Because they're not homogenous. You can't put them. Just can't, like us. Yeah, you know, you yeah. can't do just a, a, a Mexican American story and be like, yeah, we, we satisfied. The box, it. We're good. Yeah, no. And yeah. so I was like, oh, there's something here that is relatable to anyone, yeah. but also this very specific culture um, from a point of view that we felt like isn't being told. And so that is a story I'm very excited about. We're finally going to take that out this year. But you know, it's, you realize in this industry, it's like, oh yeah, things really do take seven years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't happen overnight. Well, thank you for your perseverance, your patience, your passion. We're sitting with Denise Davis, CEO of Color Creative TV and producer with Issa Rae Productions. This is hashtag Tell Black Stories. Thank you, sis. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah. And to our listeners, what story would you like to be told? Let us know by using the hashtag Tell Black Stories. For more on the hashtag Tell Black Stories podcast, visit storytellers.colorofchange.org slash podcast.